what we do here is go back, 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 back. I'm like Matthew McConaughey. Mm -hmm. Welcome back to another edition of the Raider Take Podcast. I am Micah McDonald. Joining me back from his rap act sabbatical, Andy McDonald. How you feeling? I feel good. Um, I feel refreshed. You know, it was good to have someone that could take my place that did such a great job. You know, all I have to say about Melodreamy is that he did a great job in my absence. And um, there were some things that he said that I, you know, I may have, agreed with or not agreed with and that's fine um ultimately i think he was a good representation of the pod um he had great content he may have been the og of the podcast um so that's fine i think he represented himself well but all in all happy to be back i i realized that i was hurt not injured um just so everyone knows so i'm back i'm ready to go um let's do this wild card weekend preview excited for it any thoughts as we go into um, this crazy weekend of a two-day triple header? Not anything specific. Uh, I would say that, you know, it's going to get in some wild football times as we, like I said, go into wild card weekend, get in the playoff football. Uh, we are going to kind of adjust some things here on the pod. And we're going to change up kind of stuff we're talking about going into playoffs like this, what we release on the days on the, you know, our Friday pod and our Tuesday pod. I'll let you jump into that real quick and kind of give a breakdown of it. But, you know, excited for NFL playoffs, excited for the uh, new Raider take format and ready to get into it. Yep. Right on. So, I mean, we basically, you know, Raiders did not make the the playoffs as we know. So we want to still provide some kind of um, context, some perspective around the NFL playoffs as it relates um, coming into the weekend. So what we're going to do is, is do our Friday playoff preview pod. We're going to walk through the games, each game. Um, each of us will take one team um, basically saying like, Hey, this is why they could win. This is why they may not win. Um, we will give our predictions at the end. And then at the end of the slate, um, we will basically distribute our mortal locks because it's a fresh fresh slate of mortal locks it's a new day it's a new time to get into the mortal locks so you know excited about that and then basically we will cap it off with our preview pod on monday we'll record tuesday we will release um, which will be the recap quick a little bit and then we'll get into some draft stuff so i think it's exciting that we'll do some draft stuff and and more so hone in on the raiders and and what they could be looking for um, evaluate some prospects, etc. So um, excited to get into that. But let's do some Friday playoff preview pod. We have three games on Saturday, three games on Sunday. Um, the first game is the Colts at the Buffalo Bills. The Colt, or sorry, the Buffalo Bills are favored by six and a half. Micah has the Colts. I have the Bills. Micah, give us a little bit around why the Colts have a chance. Yeah. Well, I will say. Uh, going into this year, the only bummer about this game is that we are not getting that Titans-Texans afternoon game on Saturday. You know it's going to be some type of weird wonky barn burner and like crazy things are going to happen first game of the playoffs. 
it always feels like a Texans, Titans, you know, Texans, maybe like the Browns this year would have been a, a nice little plug in there, but just not getting that afternoon Saturday game of like weird stuff's happening is going to suck. Anyways, as far as the Colts, uh, I think the biggest thing for them is they need to get their running game established early and often. Jonathan Taylor has been on a tear this year, finished out with 1,100 yards, 11 touchdowns, averaging five yards a carry. Last game, they played the Jaguars. He had 30 carries for 253 yards and two touchdowns. It seems like he's kind of coming into his own and starting to just really dominate for the most part. And that bodes well the most for Phillip Rivers because, as we know, Phillip Rivers in his later age, not quite the gunslinger he used to be, right? You've mentioned before how you know, when we talked about the Colts game, he kind of found a, a good situation and a lot of like heavy run, work off the play action, not asking him to go out there and just like gunsling it all over the field, sling it deep. In seven out of the 10 games this year during the regular season where Phillip Rivers had to throw 30 plus times, he threw an interception. So the more they ask him to throw and do, the more likely they are to have turnovers and have issues. They have an absolutely legit defense on all three levels of the field. Their D-line is good enough to get to the quarterback with just the four of them. They are top 10 in interceptions. They got a fantastic defensive backs back there, just all around one of the top defenses in the league. It's going to be a very interesting game because the Bills have such a high-powered offense, and you're obviously going to touch on that, but it's going to be one of those really good offenses versus a really good defense who's going to break first kind of thing. So I feel like this game is like everybody thinks it's sneaky going to be a shootout. I think that it very well could be like a battle, like a like a mid-range game or just a lot less scoring than you think because the defenses kind of show up. My prediction for this game is that the Bills will come out and get a W. I think they're just too hot right now, too good right now. They're going to be a force to be reckoned with this playoff push. So my prediction, Bills win, beat the Colts. Yeah, love that. I mean, it's, it's going to be an interesting game because, um, you know, these two teams have – kind of similar styles um, as far as they, you know, how they attack, you know, originally the bills built their team off of defense um, saying that the Colts did, but you know, the bills actually happened to um, take off on the offensive side. And that's kind of what, you know, my first thing is as far as like reason for um, the bills to be, you know, has an advantage as far as like, you know, their offense is on a tear right now. So they've honestly been putting up a ton of points, um, been able to stretch the field, which is great. You know, Josh Allen is playing at an MVP caliber right now. And it, it's it's kind of hard to stop. You know, he's, he's had a, a big run towards the end of the year. And, and something that is is really like you have to like measure up with Mahomes and Rodgers at this point. But he's he's been incredible. He's had a great year, um, and especially towards the end of the year. And then really like if the Bills and the Colts get into a shootout, it, it's just not favoring the Bills. Or sorry, not favoring the Colts. It's if, if they get into a shootout, it's, you know, you have Philip Rivers and you have someone that's not going to be able to push the ball down the field and, and be able to exploit these defenses. And, you know, it's not favoring him as far as his, um, you know, strong suits. And so that's, that's kind of the reason that the Bills want to get in the shootout and then kind of attack early and then be aggressive and put up points early. And, and I think that it's, it's something that's going to favor them in the, in the best way. But, you know, as far as the disadvantages, it's like the Colts see is legit you know right it's like you have Darius Leonard you have a great front four you know they can kind of 
just play the pass as, as far as the D line is, is enough to, you know, they, they can do their job and just shut the run down. It's one of those things where they can just put their front four, front five on the ball and just say, Hey, we'll stop the run. And then you come at us with the pass and then drop whether it's seven or eight or whatever it is, you know, and just defend the, the pass. So I think it's, it's, it's a thing that it's, it's going to be a mismatch battle in a sense where, where the bills are going to have to attack a little bit. Um, they have, Stefan Diggs, who was questionable, he's always questionable, but I think, you know, Isaiah McKenzie is someone that had three touchdowns last week. It, he is questionable as well, but I think he's someone that is, is more like the speed sweep guy that can keep the defense to where they have to um, manufacture um, some kind of like east to west. I don't know, like they have to figure out like how to stop that because they, the Bills have shown um, a presence to attack that way. So essentially um, the Colts can really just play, play the run. The bills don't show that a ton, honestly. And then Jonathan Taylor is a factor. He has gone off recently, as you mentioned. Um, so that's something where they can slow the game down. They can make it, Hey, we're going to run the clock down basically to five, four, three, two, one, and then snap the ball. Jonathan Taylor, four or five yards, and then just slow it down to where it's not a shootout. Um, and I think that will really favor the Colts um, at the end of the day, but ultimately the the bills are on a banger right now. They're, they're kind of just, sh- you know, shooting out and, and being able to attack anyone who's in their way. Um, six and a half, I don't feel great about it, um, but ultimately they have the number two seed. They have to come to Buffalo. And, you know, I think it's a game that the bills can win. I think it's a game that the bills will win. So um, that's kind of how I see it. Any thoughts, I guess, before we move on? No, uh, not really. I just to keep, you touched on a few good things in the sense of like the Bills want this to be a shootout. You know, they want to get going early and, and just start putting up points and make the Colts pass the ball. And the Colts want to run the ball, slow the clock down, and take the ball out of Josh Allen's hand and that offense's hand. So it's going to be very interesting on you know which which strategy pans out. But it's a tale of two battling offenses that couldn't be any more different. <laughs> Well, I think it's, it's going to be an interesting game all in all, but let, let's kind of move on to um, the second Saturday game. So this is the Rams at Seahawks. Um, Seahawks are currently, from what I pulled, three and a half point favorites. You know, it is interdivision rivals, so they did split the series. Mikey, you have the Seahawks. I have the Rams. Give us a little bit about um, of the matchups. So the interesting part about the Seahawks is that it seems like both sides of the ball have kind of been on the inverse of each other. It seemed like their offense started out so hot and the old moniker of let Russ cook was in full effect and their defense was just utter trash. And then the second half of the season, their defense started to come on um, and, and play better drastically as I'll point out. And the offense was still good, but it almost seemed like they kind of tapered back from, from how they started off the season three things I want to touch on with well, three players. I want to touch on with that defense, both their corners, Shaquille Griffin and Quandre Diggs, both have been just lights out as of lately. Griffin's got three interceptions, Quandre Diggs, five interceptions. And then the newly acquired in the off season, Jamal Adams, who has just been an absolute force to be reckoned with. It's, I don't know why they have him labeled as a safety because he is nothing but a linebacker out there. They got him blitzing her off the edge they, uh, they got him doing basically everything a linebacker does. He's just fast, a lot faster. Uh, he's got nine and a half sacks this year. 
And they've sent him on 98 blitzes this year, which is second best on their team behind Mr. 99 Club himself, Bobby Wagner, who has blitzed 100 times. And Jamal Adams missed, I think, four games. So the amount that they're blitzing him, it's like they brought him in just purely to like blitz him off the edge and put pressure on the quarterback. This is where the impact from Jamal Adams kind of comes into play because weeks four through nine, he missed with injury and opposing teams were averaging 31.4 points a game, 10 through 17. Since he's been back 16 points a game. Now I know that's not all attributed to him, but the fact that they have him out there and they're blitzing him off the edge and they're able to create pressure with their D line on top of him, just coming off the edge and, and it's giving these good corners that they have, time to like make plays on stuff because they're having to get the ball out quick. They're having to like make decisions. And I feel like ever since he kind of made his way back onto the field, that pressure has allowed that defense to kind of do a lot more and make a lot more plays and kind of come into their own a little bit more as this playoff comes around the offensive side of the ball, two key players and receivers, Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf, both a thousand yard plus receivers, both got 10 touchdowns each. Both have 110 or better QBR when passed to, which is outstanding because they just they make Russ look good, even though Russ is really good. You know, Chris Carson has been, by all accounts, really good when he's been in. He's had some injury problems this year as one of his fantasy owners. I can attest to the frustrations of some of his injury stuff. But by all accounts, they've had pretty well-rounded offense in the run game and the pass game. It just kind of one lacks and the other has to pick things up and vice versa. They've played the Rams twice. First time they played them, Rams won 23 to 16. Russ had 248 yards and two interceptions. So defense was able to get to him. He did have one rushing touchdown. And then the second time they played, Seattle won 20 to 9. Russ had 225 yards, a passing touchdown and rushing touchdown. So it seems like the Rams defense, who by all accounts, very good defense, one of the better defenses in the league, has kind of figured out a way to contain him for the most part. Uh, it's kind of one of those things where, you know, I've always said it, interdivision stuff is wonky. You never know how they're going to play out. You've got so much tape against the other team. You, you know, you play them twice a year on top of the two times you played them last year and all that stuff. So things can kind of fold either way. My final prediction with this whole thing is that the Seahawks will come out with a win, but I think this could very well be 50-50 either way. At any point in time, Seattle's offense can just go off and be, you know, lights out and Russell start cooking again. And at any point in time, the Rams defense could just be absolute lockdown. Yeah, no doubt, man. I, I think it's it's one of those things where it's it's such a tough matchup where there's a lot of uncertainty on the Rams side um, as far as their offense is concerned. And it, it also is a divisional rep, uh, matchup where they play each other twice already. So it's like a third time, just like the Steelers Brown. So, you know, you get into it and, and you say, okay, well, you know, I have the, the Rams team and I'm like, okay, well, what are some advantages that they have? And, and, you know, obviously their, their defense is, you know, number one ranked Seattle's offense has slowed down um, as far as the last six to eight weeks, I would say, um, I think the pass rush can get to Russell Wilson and make him um, flush out of the pocket or even get to him and hit him. And, and he is good creating outside of the pocket. But um, I also think that, you know, whether, you know, whoever is at quarterback, I think McVay can create enough to generate some points. But as far as, as far as it goes on the, on the other side, as far as like the disadvantages is like, 
who plays quarterback for the Rams? You know, it's like, is it Goff? Is it Wolford? Like, I think right now Goff is questionable. So it's hard for us to make some predictions on this and, and be certain, you know, but um, Wolford last game, you know, he was 20, 22 of 38, 231, no touchdowns, um, one pick. He did rush for 56 yards, um, which I think he, he got a lot of first downs, which is great. And I think he was able to use the legs, but it, it's not, it's not sustaining, you know? So, I, but I do think McVeigh, you know, going back to our advantages on that side is he is creative enough to draw up some things to where, you know, he can, or Walford can, and the offense can at least expand on that and, and make some plays and, and, and be productive and then be able to, to score some points. But at the end of the day, like you're kind of just relying on their defense. So as far as like the disadvantages of this game is like, who plays quarterback, right? It's like, is, is it Goff or is it Wofford? And, and I think the Seahawks defense is, is, is trending in the right way. And I think you nailed it. Like weeks 11 through 17, they're probably top five in all statistical categories, you know, as far as passing offense and rushing offense, you know, with Jamal Adams back. And so obviously his, you know, him being able to play is going to be huge, but I think they do have the, you know, the blueprint to stop the Los Angeles offense. And, if you look back at the Rams last three or four games, when it's basically been Goff has slowed down and then it has transitioned to the um, Wofford Goff being injured and Wofford replacing him. But you've seen a lot of teams that have been in five or six man fronts, right? So they have stretched their D line to where they can attack the stretch run game, but also the play action boot. So if you have five or six D line, you can, you know, basically it's like, punch fake here and then you pull out and then it's that backside rollout to Gerald Everett or whatever it's Higby, you know, and then they have a DN that can just stay the course, but the Rams offense hasn't really shown it, you know, an ability to stretch the ball down the field. And, and usually it's off play action. And it's typically somewhere within the first or second read on, on a drag coming across. So I think that there's a blueprint to stopping them. And also it's a, playoff game in, in Seattle, you know? So I think it's, it's one of those things where even though there's no crowd, it's, it's not easy for, you know, any team to go there, especially without their quarterback. So, you know, I, I think there's a lot of ways you can spin it. I think that Wofford, you know, showed it, showed his way a little bit with, with being able to beat the, the Cardinals, but it might've been more of the, the Cardinals backup that <laughs> threw a pick six before the, the second, you know, in, in the first half, you know? So that, that might've been part of it, but I, th- I think it's like, they're going to have to rely on the defense. They're going to have to be able to run the ball, which once again, if Seattle can get into those fronts and still run cover three, which is tough on six man fronts, you know, it, it's, it's one of those things where they, they can be able to adapt and, and, and make sure that the Rams aren't attacking them, you know, from the second and third layer, but they haven't even showed that even with golf. So it's going to be a tough matchup for the Rams. I would say just, you know, owning them as far as this matchup is concerned. So, um, but once again, I think it's one of those things where you play this team before, I think it's going to be a hard fought battle and, and three and a half is tough to, you know, it's, it's tough to bet against one way, one way or the other. So um, I do think the Seahawks win. I think, um, I don't know how close it is by any means, but we'll get into our moral locks. That might be one of the things that I pick, who knows, but it, it's going to be a game that the Rams are, they have to travel. They might deal with backup quarterback. It's going to be tough to face the Seattle defense that has come on um, more recently. And, and they have a lot of weapons that, you know, Jalen Ramsey can take, take away DK Metcalf, but also like 
maybe maybe the Seahawks can move him around the formation once in a while. Maybe maybe they could do that, unlike DeAndre Hopkins for the Cardinals. I don't know. But, you know, take a look at it. We'll see how it goes. But it's going to be a tough matchup. Ultimately, I have to bet the Seahawks um, just win the game. So anything else? Or are you good to move on to the next game on Saturday? Well, I just want to say that Jared Goff's kind of on the hot seat right now because Wolford is the first quarterback in NFL history to pass for 200-plus yards and rush for 50-plus yards in his first career start. And Wolford has the most rushing yards for a quarterback during the Sean McVay era. So there's a lot to go into. Do you want Goff with a hurt thumb, or do you want Mr. NFL and team record-setting Wolford in there? You never know. It's things you got to think about. Yeah, you got to think about it. And, and it's I, th- I think there was a stat like, oh, Wofford rushed for more yards than um, Goff even did for the whole year in that one game. But, I mean, as, as much as that brings to the table, it also, like, he he did check off things, you know, as it was second and third level, and he just took off and ran. So it's going to be interesting. It's going to be a weird game, just like the Cardinals game was, but we'll see how it goes. Um, but let's move on to the third game of Saturday. I think it's 5 o'clock, right? Probably something along yeah. those lines. Um, so this is the Bucks versus Washington football team. Bucks are traveling on the road. They are eight point favorites, by the way. Um, Mike, you have the football team. I do have the Bucks. Walk us into you know why the football team deserves to be here. Why are they going to put up a shot? Just do your best. What do you got? Well, if you live in the state of New York, mainly the greater Manhattan area, you would probably say that the Washington football team does not deserve to be there. And that Philadelphia may have taken away some integrity to the game by taking out Jalen Hurts and essentially giving away that game. However you look at it, Washington won the division. They're in. They're playing the Bucks. Not 100% sure where to start on this, but all year they've had somewhat of a quarterback carousel like we have kind of seen and a little bit of a circus going on there with Dwayne Haskins. Was he at a strip club? Was he not? Definitely wasn't wearing a mask. Was it just guys being dudes like you suggested? Regardless, they cut him. And Alex Smith is 5-1 and one as a starter with that team. If he doesn't win comeback player of the year, it's going to be very upsetting after almost losing his life and his leg to coming back and starting in the NFL and taking a team to the playoffs, albeit a bad team in an even worse division, but made the playoffs nonetheless. Uh, the bright spot that they do have on that team is their defense, and more specifically their defense ends. Rookie Chase Young at Ohio State, taking second overall this year. He's got seven and a half sacks. He's got a fumble recovery. He's got three fumble recoveries. One of them he took back to the house for a touchdown. I don't think he's ever held a football in his life with the way he was running down just palming it like a basketball, but he got in the end zone nonetheless. So that's all that matters. And then last year's first round pick Montez sweat coming out of Mississippi state. He is leading the team with nine sacks. And he also has a pick that he took back to the house as well. Their defensive line, mainly their DNs, huge bright spot have just been tearing it up this year and kind of been the reason they've been able to stay in games and win some games. I mean, Tell me if you've heard this before, but, you know, Alex Smith did enough to get a win with a solid defensive outing. Uh, if they're going to win at all, if they're going to have any chance at winning, they're going to have to get to Brady. And luckily they got two guys in both those those young defensive ends that have been getting to the quarterback and can get to the quarterback. 
but they're going to have to try to get to him early and often, knock Brady off of his game and get him kind of uncomfortable back there. We know Tom Brady is the coolest cat in the pocket. He's the GOAT. Regardless, Alex Smith is going to have to try to hit Terry McLaren as much as possible. He's been kind of like their only good receiver that they have, in my opinion. I, I mean, I'm sure they got other guys that are doing decent, but he's a big-time standout on that offense as kind of a young guy who is emerging as well. I, By all accounts, I think the Bucks are going to win. I think they're going to run away with it. Uh, I don't think it's even too close of a competition, but you never know. Washington's got a good defense. They can get after Tom Brady, get some sacks, throw him off his game. Anything can happen under the bright lights of a Saturday evening. Yeah, it's a weird game. You know, I think that you hit on a lot of great points. Um, you know, as far as the football team is concerned, you know, they do have um, Antonio Gibson, um, who is questionable. Um, you have Terry McLaurin, who is questionable as well. But I believe they, they both will suit up and be ready for the game. So as it relates to the Bucks, you know, they, they are big favorites. Um, you know, I don't like taking the favorites on, on this one. But, you know, the, the Bucks offense has, has really just been – on fire that they've been able to, you know, push the ball down the field. I think they've done a great job with exploiting defenses, you know, granted it has been the the Falcons, the lions before that. Um, But I I, I do think that the Washington football team, if I'm saying that correctly, you know, their secondary is not that great. I think that the D line is more so the ones that are the show ponies of, of all of it, but um, I think they can, you know, push the ball down the field. I think they can attack, you know, and I do think that with the uneasy um, QB situation with the the football team, whether it's Alex Smith or whatever that dude's name is, the the backup who who is not doing Haskins because he got cut. So it's it's that's kind of up in the air, and I think that that's an advantage for them. But um, and then and then you look at the you know Brady in the playoffs. I think you look at Brady who has been there before. He actually in the last twenty years has never been playing in the wild card round as far as um, or he's never been a wild card player. So he's always won the division. He's always been someone that has, you know, been at an advantage. So he's on the road. I think he has a little bit more to play for, um, you know, new team. They won 11 games. Great. Um, and they also had Chase Young who said, I want Tom Brady. I want the goat. Um, so he has a little bit more fuel to the fire there, which is great. He, he really doesn't need much. So as far as where the Washington football team can really attack, I think it's like, like, are they a team of destiny? Like are, you know, Ron Rivera just beat cancer. Um, Alex Smith had the gruesome leg injury um, where he, I don't know, like he, they said they had to amputate his leg and then, and then it was like, you would never walk again. And then now he's just like dropping back for you know this team and, and throwing dimes. Like, is this a team of destiny? Like, I don't know. I think you have to look at that um, a little bit, but as far as like the, the scheme and, and the matchup is concerned, I think you have to look at the D line for their team and, and really where you interrupt Brady is, is pressure up the middle. Um, I think you have um, really a great front four from the Washington football team. Um, and I think they can get to Brady. I think they can apply the pressure. I think they can get to him and, and really get him off his rhythm. Um, and that might be, you know, a, a little bit something that, that they can, they can attack with him. And then really like, I would say you can check the Bills game as far as like the Colts are concerned. Like it's like they're going to run the ball and they're going to dink and dunk. And then they're going to really just like try to draw this game out. Like they don't want to shoot out. They don't want anything that has to do with, you know, just quick plays, high scoring that the football team can't keep up with that. So I think it's one of those things where 
if the D line can apply pressure um, and keep Brady off the field, then and then Alex Smith really can be able to, you know, dink and duck his way down the field, take his shots and, and be able to run the ball. I think, you know, it, it could be a game at the end of the day, you know, it's an eight point favorite and I, I have to take the Buccaneers um, at this point, but you know, I'm three for three with chalk, you know, but it, it's one of those things where I, I don't see a way that the, the football team can win. And, and if they win great, super happy for them, but I, I don't see that it's going to happen. And, and really, I think Brady is, he's kind of on his revenge train a little bit, you know, being discarded from the, the Patriots. And it's going to be one of those things where he, he does his thing. And, and I don't think it's going to be close, unfortunately, but we'll see you when we get into more walks. But I have the, the, the Buccaneers winning, you know, I think there's a lot of things that are in their favor. You know, the Washington football team can, can come back and keep the game close, but I, I don't think it's close at the end of the day, but, any, any other thoughts on, on your end? The only thing I want to add to that is essentially something to add to the chart of Tom Brady wizardry, a little uh, facts to kick back a chicken. The last time that the Patriots hosted a regular season game where they were already eliminated from the playoffs, as they did, I think, in week, week 16, was 18 years ago. The last time that the Buccaneers won a playoff game was 18 years ago. Both those differences, now they haven't won yet. By all accounts, it seems like they will beat the Washington football team and they should. But if Tom Brady were to win, the difference between those things happening is Tom Brady. So once again, he's a wizard. Don't see this one being close either. It's incredible the way that he can just move from teams and then just make them relevant. It's, I don't know. I mean, you know, the Raiders had a chance to bring in Tom Brady and and we were super against it, but like it's there's something about him that brings this aura of, of being able to push through. And and the Saints took the division, which is fine, but you know they're kind of on their own mark to right the wrong a little bit. So I thought you were talking about the five rounds that we potentially passed up on him in drafting. Him. No, I I, <laughs> I know I'm just kidding. <laughs> our draft misses would be a whole separate podcast. Um, yeah, in the sense, so whole separate month of podcasts. <laughs> Um, well, let's get into um, some Sunday. So we have our Sunday NFL playoff preview, um, our first game, which is going to be great because I think we disagree on, on this one. Um, we have the Ravens at the Tennessee Titans. Currently, the Baltimore Ravens are favored by three and a half points. You have the Titans. Perfect. I have the Ravens. Excellent. Let us know what's going on in this matchup. Give us the deets. Let's roll into Sunday morning playoff time. Mike. Yeah, I mean, it for the Titans, it's pretty simple. All they need to do is they need to look at the calendar. They need to see, okay, we're in the beginning of January. We have past November. Give the ball to Derrick Henry because it is tractor Cito season. Nobody likes tackling Derrick Henry in the wintertime. Everybody knows that. Uh, he needs to get the ball a thousand times. I, I mean, at least. If they're going to win, he's got to get the ball a thousand times, and they should never do anything but give him the ball. More realistically, controlling the clock with the run game, as they tend to do, is going to be key for them and kind of keeping the ball out of Lamar Jackson's hands. We know that the most dynamic part of the Ravens is that offense, is him, that run game that they have. So keeping the ball out of their hands by using your running game, as they have done all season with all 2,000-plus yards that Derrick Henry ran this year, they need to give it to him. They need to keep it in his hands, run the clock down. 
AJ Brown has been a beast this year. Thousand receiving yards, eleven touchdowns. Tannehill, by all accounts, had a pretty decent year as well. He went thirty-eight hundred yards, thirty-three touchdowns, and seven interceptions. I don't know how or why I had this revelation, but I'm looking. You know, we're looking at these games. I'm looking at stuff on the Titans, getting some information, and it just hit me that I was like, the Titans are what the Raiders were on track to be slash like wanting to be if their running game would have just stayed consistent throughout the whole season. And I'm not saying Josh Jacobs would have been running for 2000 yards because what Derrick Henry is doing is just unprecedented, but going 11 and five controlling the game with your run game. And then your quarterback who by all accounts can take over a game if he needs to, but takes advantage of the play actions and slings it when he needs to, not because he has to the Titans and the Raiders are the same damn team even more so on the defensive side of the ball. Their defense gives up the second most touchdown, passing touchdowns. They're 11th in rushing touchdowns allowed. But where they have succeeded and where the Raiders cannot do anything on defense is on the turnover side of the ball. They're fourth in forced fumbles during run plays, rushing turnovers. They're top 10 in interceptions. And they are also third worst team in getting sacks. So I look at it and I'm like, these are all things that remind me of the Raiders defense minus the good stuff, you know? So I think that it's going to be one of those things where they're going to have to control the ball. They're going to have to control the clock. Their offense is going to have to go out there and play a very sound mistake-free game because at some point you can't rely on your defense to cause turnovers every single game. And when you can't get to the quarterback and you're giving up too many touchdowns, it's going to bite you in the ass at some point. It bit him in the ass five times during the regular season. All it takes is one time during the playoffs, and you're done. So Derrick Henry has to go off, have a big game. Ryan Tannehill has to essentially be a mistake-free and play a solid game getting A.J. Brown the ball. My prediction for this game is that the Titans will win. They will beat the Ravens, but it's going to be a close one. It's going to be a hard-fought one. I think that they are going to have to pull out every trick in the box to slow down or stop Lamar Jackson and that offense and that rushing attack that they have with that three-headed monster, but starts on the offensive side of the ball. Once again, give Derrick Henry the ball 1,000 times and control the clock there. Yeah, no doubt, man. I I think it's funny because like that is the Raiders um, team that we aspire to be, right? It's like, hey, let's run the ball and let's work off play action. And then we do kind of have a shady defense, but they can actually – produce turnovers um so um unfortunately the titans are who we want to be um no big deal but as it relates to this game um i do think that baltimore is is they're kind of on a tear so they were six and five and basically they had to win out um similar to how the raiders were um six and five it was basically like five playoff games that they had to incur so they took that as a challenge and I think they played each game and they just blew out each team as they encountered them. Um, I think Tennessee's defense is not great, as you mentioned. Um, so it's a good chance for the Ravens to establish a run, be able to work our play action a little bit. And then there also is the Lamar Jackson narrative where he can't win in the playoffs. And I think that's somewhat factored into um, why he is going to go off a little bit. Um, I think you might see him run for over 70, 80 yards in this game. But I do think that it's not a good game for the Ravens to beat, especially to have the 
you know, make the playoffs. And then it's like, Oh yeah, the Titans, because the Titans do have the blueprint for success, which is basically like they beat the Ravens in overtime this year. Um, last year, the Titans went into Baltimore and beat them. So it's like the Titans do have that blueprint around what worked for them essentially. But ultimately I, I do think that the weakest point of the Ravens offense is their passing attack and, and the Titans don't have a great secondary. So um, it might be one of those things where they can't exploit them a little bit. And then one of the negatives, or I guess one of the disadvantages I had was Tractor Cito. And I, I, I just put Tractor Cito because it is his time. It is his year. He's going to go off. Like you're, you're just going to have to stack the box and say, Tannehill beat us, please. But I, I do think that this is a Ravens revenge game, even though they're favorites on the road. Um, I, I do think that they come in and, and make a good play. Who knows what the mortal lock will be, but it could be um, one of these games. So I, I think the Ravens come out and be able to handle the, the Titans defense. My prediction is the Ravens winning. Um, I do like that we're going against each other here a little bit, but it is Tractor Cito season. I think the Ravens are on different mission. And really like they like last year, they were 14 and two. They had all this momentum. They had a buy. They took on the Titans after they beat the Patriots, he'll shock a little bit. So I'm going to go Ravens. That's how I feel. But, you know, as we, as we noted, we will release our playoff predictions for the fans, listeners, readers um, for the rest of the year. Anything else? Glad that we got one where we're going against each other. I feel like <laughs> the first round is always one of those things. that's like, it can be pretty chalk for it's the so most fun. part. And it's, yeah. it's kind of like, all right, you kind of have, there are some games where like this could go either way, but a lot of times, you know, feelings are pretty mutual in a sense like that. So we're going to roll into Sunday afternoon. Um, we have the Bears at the New Orleans Saints. This game can be previewed on multiple channels. One of the channels is actually Nickelodeon. By the way, if you mm. have kids, if you have young kids, please tune in. I don't know how that's going to work, but they're going to be able to view the game um, and, and tune in. So if you have young kids and you wife's shopping at target please feel free to bring them into this game tune them into nickelodeon um but this is the biggest spread of the week we have the new orleans saints at minus 10 mikey you have the saints so congrats on that um i have the bears so give us our advantages and disadvantages um i'm gonna do my best for the bears so (laughs) you know do your thing well i think the biggest question going into this game at least Biggest question for me, kind of biggest question we people have asked themselves this year is, does Drew Brees still have it? And, you know, he was hurt for a while, had those broken ribs, like 1,300 broken ribs, I think it was the final final count on that. Uh, and by all accounts, Taysom Hill came in, kind of balled out, did well enough to keep him in it, and, you know, was a great backup at that point. But Brees kind of seems like he's fallen off a little bit. Seems like the arm strength isn't there as much. Uh, you kind of question whether if you get down to a point and you need six great throws out of him to make one more final drive, or you need three good throws out of him on a final drive, is he going to be able to do that? Is he going to be able to get it there when he needs to get it there? So that's going to be a, an interesting thing. It's just breeze in general. Are we going to see the breeze of old, or are we going to see, you know, this aging quarterback who's kind of starting to lose a, lose a step a little bit? Their passing offense in general is really middle of the pack. Uh, a lot of things and they've really been relying on their run game 
Alvin Kamara, you know, Taysom Hill's inserted in that run game, Latavius Murray, just kind of relying on those three guys to really ball out for him. The good thing about their offense being middle of the pack is that they are middle of the pack in interceptions thrown and sacks given up. So he's doing well and not turning the ball over. The team's doing well and not turning the ball over in passing situations, but they're not necessarily scoring off the hook like they normally are. You know, how you think of a Drew Brees, Sean Payton, you know, gunning offense. For them, the rushing game needs to dominate. They're six in yards, first in touchdowns, but they are third in rushing fumbles. So, you know, it's kind of like big boom on the good and kind of big boom on the bad too. So, you know, whether they're going to put it on the ground, that's kind of where a lot of their big time turnovers come from is in the running game. So, you know, you take the good with the bad, but their defense is a top five defense in passing yards. They're tied for first in interceptions and they are top 10 in sacks. So their defense by all accounts has been, you know, balling out, doing well for them. This game, I feel like, is one of those games where it's the battle of two good defenses. Which offense is going to play better? Because the defenses are good. The offenses are going to have to kind of play to a certain level to be good enough. Which one's going to play better? And spoiler alert, I think the Saints are. um, They're definitely, in my opinion, they're going to win. But they essentially need to keep Trubisky off of his rhythm and make him make mistakes. Uh, They are, the defense is fourth in the league in rushing yards allowed. They're tied for second best in rushing touchdowns allowed. And the team they're tied with is the Bears. So two good defenses going up against each other. By all accounts, Saints have a better defense. It's going to be interesting, though, if they can get to Drew Brees, throw him off his game a little bit, if they can kind of stop the run, make them kind of beat them in in passing situations, stuff like that. I think the Saints are going to win regardless. I think... Sean Payton, Sean Payton, Drew Brees is Drew Brees, and they also have Alvin Kamara. So it might be close for a little bit, but by the time zeros hit the clock, Saints are going to be victorious by multiple touchdowns. Yeah, I, I love it. I mean, I'm, I have the Bears right now, but I don't feel great about it. But here's my Bears stance currently. So um, the advantages are the Bears defense against the New Orleans Saints offense. Not really, but kind of. They did play them well earlier this year, um, 26-23. Saints won, no big deal. But I do think the Bears, as you mentioned, their defensive front has been able to get to, to Drew Brees and, and been able to bring the pressure and, and be able to establish the you know pressure that he is not able to restrain against the short passing game. Um, the Bears offense actually has momentum, so not something that you are accustomed to, um, but the Bears offense has put up some points. David Montgomery has, has been getting going. Um, and the other advantage I had is um, what I put here is uh, I don't know, double doink karma. Um, so I'm like, you know, they, the last time they were in the playoffs, they had a double doink that did not work their way. Maybe it's karma, you know, maybe they just get some kind of juju and, and it works, but the bears are going into new Orleans. Um, the Saints have a top five defense Bears offense overall, 26, not good. Um, Saints have a number of weapons, um, Taysom Hill, Kamara, Sanders, Murray. I mean, you can just intertwine them. It's not great. but um, and, and one of those things is, is similar to the Bills and, and to the, um, you know, the other games that we have previewed, but a shootout is not the recipe for success. So the Bears are going to have to control the clock. Um, but if the Saints get going and put up points early, it's, it's not going to be good for them. So 
I don't have much more to say about this. Um, I think the Bears are going to have a tough time. I don't think they will win. They shouldn't win. Um, it's not a game that really anyone imagined them being in, but I think the they played them tough in the beginning, and, and really the Saints are going to establish themselves as the front runners in the NFC, um, someone to attack the Packers um, to get to the Super Bowl, and, and really just it's not going to be close. I'm sorry. You know, big cat, my apologies, but it's not going to be a, a, a good thing at all. So, you know, Saints by a billion, and I don't think the Bears are going to be able to attack and be able to produce the points that they can um, and their defense, especially if they are missing Roquan McMillan, um, is not going to be a good thing. So good to move off this game. Yeah, yeah, we can get into the, the final game of this slate. Great. Final game. So final game is, is interesting. Um, we have the Cleveland Browns. First time in 17 years they are in the playoffs. They are traveling to the Pittsburgh Steelers, um, which they just played them in week 17. The Pittsburgh Steelers are currently favored by six and a half points. Mikey, you have the Browns. I have the Steelers. Give us some reasons the Browns are going to be able to make something of this, um, be able to turn it into a win. What do you got on that side? Browns, Steelers, big game, a lot of things at stake. What do you got? Well, there's really only two options for the Browns. The first is they're either going to lose or get screwed in absolute horrific fashion, or they're going to win the Super Bowl. And there's zero in between. Like you said, first time 17 years that they are making the playoffs. They're dealing with a lot of COVID situation stuff going on right now. They lost all of their wide receiver core for one game. Their head coach Stefanski is going to be out for this game. Don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but Unfortunately, their defense is bottom 15 in just about every category. The better part of their defense, though, is going to be their rushing defense. They've only given up six 20-plus yard runs this year. One of them was for 40-plus, and they are first in uh, rushing turnovers, so fumbles from, from the rushing game at 12. But their pass defense, not that great, which is obviously the better part of the Steelers' offense is their passing offense. So the interesting game. The Browns' offense has been very efficient on the passing side of things fifth and sacks allowed sixth and interceptions given up only 15th and touchdowns scored though so they've been able to protect the ball protect baker mayfield but not really capitalize on the through the air as much as they would like to i'm sure uh they need their rushing offense which is the bread and butter to their offense to really dominate and go off in this game their third and yards rushing fifth and touchdowns and they have the second most 20-plus yard runs, which means Nick Chubb, shout out to Andy's fantasy team, needs to go off, needs to have a big game. They got that two-headed monster with him and Kareem Hunt. So it's it's going to be interesting. It's a tale of two opposite advantages. You've got a really good rush defense against a bad rush offense for Pittsburgh. you got a really mediocre pass offense in the Browns going against a very good secondary with the Steelers. So I think that... The Browns' first trip to the playoffs is going to end here. The Steelers will win this game once again. Another interdivision thing. Two teams, a lot of tape on each other. You never know what's going to happen. Not having your head coach is going to be rough. So, and you know, the Steelers are the Steelers, and the Browns are the Browns, and you know they they are who we thought they were on both sides. Double square that they are who that we thought they were squared. Uh, but yeah, Steelers are going to win. Sorry, Browns, you're out. Yeah, no, I, I get that. I'm sorry, I was, I'm a little dazed from just dabbing, as, as you mentioned, Nick Chubb. But um, <laughs> fantasy team guy, I get it. But 
as it relates to the Steelers, I think that, you know, they did have, so one of my notes from the advantages is, is just rest and tape. So the Steelers rest a lot of the starters on the offense and defense side of the ball. Big Ben didn't have to get into the walking boot. Thank God. Um, a lot of TJ Watt rest um, and, and they have a tape on the Browns in, in a must win. So, you know, they just played them last week. They're able to assess how they attack, how they like to move the ball, this, that, and the other on the offense and defense side of the ball. But I think it was a game that they can't actually say, hey, this is how they're going to attack us. And then obviously the advantage is, is Kevin Stefanski not being there. So how will that um, matriculate to the, you know, the Browns? I, I don't know. I, I don't know how big of a deal it is. I will touch on it on the other side, but I do think this is a Steelers revenge game in a sense. So they were 11 and 0 and everyone was singing their praises and they're like, Oh, they're the best. And they're 11 and 0 and they're the, Super Bowl champs, not not champs, but like favorites. And oh, the Steelers are so great. And then they lose three straight games, right? And then everyone just was like, no, they suck. They're the worst. But Mike Tomlin, probably one of the best um, motivators in the game. And he can get this team ready to rock. I, I, I truly believe that. As far as the, the disadvantages are concerned, I think that once again, as I mentioned, Stefanski – is going to be tough, but like, is it really going to be that tough? Like you played these guys twice. You played them last week. I don't think a lot of the game plan is going to have to be tweaked in a sense. You do have the special teams coordinator, which is the one that's running the team. Um, so maybe get in a lot of punt formations, but outside of that, I think it's, it's one of those things where you, you know who the Steelers are. It's not, it's not going to be a big deal. So, you know, another disadvantage for the Steelers is like is this just the team of destiny like is this the Browns that made the playoffs first time in 17 years they don't have their head coach a lot of COVID cases um like is this something that they just have nothing to lose and they can just play balls out constantly and and just beat you guys like that's a concern and then I guess if we want to or I guess if I want to get to the scheme a little bit the Cleveland defense um against the the Pittsburgh offense is, is a little bit unbalanced. Like the Steelers, as you mentioned, can't run the ball. So they can't run the ball. So it's pretty one-sided. So I do think they can keep four guys in the box, four or five guys in the box and just rush the passer and say, run it if you want. And we're going to defend the pass and, and deal with it. So um, I think you have seen the Steelers struggle in that sense. I, I don't think that you can take anyone but the Steelers in this matchup. I think you have, I'm going to take them the win. I have to. The Steelers will beat the Browns, but it's not going to be close. Um, it'll be very tight-knit AFC North, you know, weird as it always is, but I have the Steelers winning. There's not a lot of things that outside of the adversity that the Browns are facing, like there's not a lot of things that I, I feel great about, but I think the Steelers will win. Um, that's where I'm at. Last game of Sunday, Sunday night football. That's where we're at. Um, I have the Steelers beating the Browns. Anything else before we get into our moral locks? No, I, I think you, you hit hit the nail on the head. It's it's going to be, once again, another interdivision game. Could be wonky, but this could be one of those games that is either 42-7, to seven, the Steelers win, or it's 19-16. to 16. And, you know, one of the teams, probably the Steelers, pulls out a W. It's like it's going to be either, like, weird or, like, yeah, that's what we expected. Either way, the Steelers are going to win, though. So, I agree with what you said. It's going to be a hell of a game to round out our 
wild card weekend. There it is. There's the preview um, for the wild card weekend. We have a triple header on Saturday, triple header on Sunday. Very excited for that. There's a preview on all the games. We will close you out with one more to luck of the six games. And anyone has listened to this podcast. I have not been great. If anything, and you listened to the last podcast, it was even more so emphasized that I suck at mortal locks. That's not a shot at anyone. I'm just saying that was told and I was gone. I was out. I was inactive. I was hurt, not injured, but I was out and I was attacked. But here we go. It's a new round. Regular season is over and we are back to the playoffs. Micah, one more to luck and granted six games, not a ton of way to just coast into it. This is a clean slate, more to lock, postseason, one pick. Who do you got? It would be wrong of me to not go with the only game that we disagreed on in this whole thing. And for anybody that was following along, the Baltimore Ravens were minus three and a half favorites over the Titans. And my prediction for that game was that the Titans would win. So I'm taking the Titans at plus three and a half. I think they win. I think that very good chance it comes right down to the wire, right down to potentially a field goal. In that case, I would still cover. But Titans, my opinion, are going to win or at least cover by losing from a field goal or less. Lock it in. Take it to the bank. Win some money. What do you have? <sighs> well, I've been relatively quiet this whole time. I, I, I just think that this is an opportunity for me to embark on a new era of moral locks. And I wanted to flirt a little bit with the Seahawks game, but I don't feel great about that, just so you know. Buccaneers, a little too high for my taste. And then you get into the Saints, and you're like, man, just like you mentioned, um, it's a game where the Saints can be covered by three or four, and then they score a touchdown. But do you want to rely on a touchdown to cover? No. I'm going Ravens-Titans, and I'm going Ravens. What the mm-hmm. hell did this come from? <laughs> I'm like Matthew McConaughey. I don't know how he does it, but Ravens minus three and a half. I'm coming at you, bro. I'm coming round one. For everyone out there, this this is he. This was not planned at all. He's he's coming at me right now. That's right. We previously talked about which moral locks we were going to take, <laughs> and I can tell you for a hundred percent certainty, his was not Baltimore. So it was not Baltimore. But issue if you had the Titans and I had the Titans, but I did not, and I said I could go Baltimore. But I'm going to go Seattle. And then I went. Flip the script on me. Baltimore. So I'm going to go Baltimore. Minus three and a half. I feel great about that. I think it's a great way to start off our moral locks. And, you know, a good chance for just everyone to to get back. <laughs> as, as I'm saying this, I'm like, you, if you guys take Baltimore, you're so fucked. You know, but like, this is a chance for everyone to come back. Jump back on the train. We're going to downtown. We riding Baltimore. Minus three and a half. If it's anywhere similar to the last time that we pinned against each other uh, on a Baltimore game, mortal locks, this game's going to get pushed back like six days because of COVID. So, but right. that'll be a good one. Be ready to bet on this next Friday. But anywho, thank you for adjusting with me. I, I, I was just fired up. I think it's the right call. Uh, I'm going Baltimore, my and half, just so no. And um, Monday recording Tuesday pod is going to be a little bit of a recap as far as what we just previewed. Um, but we will transition this podcast a little bit into some more draft stuff, 
centered around the Raiders, um, but I do think it's important to give you guys some knowledge around, you know, really the the draft community um, as far as like the quarterbacks are concerned, receivers, running backs, you know, and then obviously as as it fits with the Raiders, you know, we can tie it into some specific needs. Um, but Mike and I will do a good job of breaking down each position, being able to say, hey, this is what the best player looks like, or, or kind of this is what you're looking for if you're making or if you're looking to make the change. So I'm excited to get into more draft stuff. I think it's going to be a great way to um, transition to more Raider talk for the future um, as we do embark on the NFL playoffs, which still should address. Um, any last words to close this off, my man? Yeah, just as always, if you're on Apple Podcasts or iTunes, subscribe, rate, review, give us five stars, give us zero stars, give us one star, give us some stars. Tell us how you feel. Let us know what you think. Rate it, subscribe, review it, share it wherever you see it, on Twitter, on Facebook. We appreciate all the love. We appreciate all the support. We are excited to get into kind of this NFL playoff slash offseason slash NFL coverage, draft coverage stuff in general. And we hope y'all like the content we're bringing to you. Yep. Love it. Right. I should stand up. Love you guys. Um, excited for this. So we'll get into more Raider stuff as we go, you know, draft free agency as it's concerned. Um, but we also need to address the NFL playoff. So um, hope you like it. Hope you respect it. Micah, love you. Peace out. See you guys. Later.